and away we go. You're listening to Live on Four Legs, the live Pearl Jam podcast experience featuring Mr. Stone Gossett. Fucking camera in the truck. podcast experience now most of you on fridays are used to us uh coming out with a new episode and and digging into another show from pearl jam's history but today we're going to do a little bit something different unfortunately we were not able to get an episode out this week uh but i felt bad about it um and even though we had a four-hour episode last week with state college that's really good i'm sure you guys are still trying to wrap your heads around that one and and uh and finish that because that four hours is a long time to to get through anything movies aren't four hours and Getting through a podcast that four, is four hours is is definitely definitely a bear. So totally understand that, and we're gonna try. I know I've said this a million times. We're gonna try to make this short and to the point, much shorter podcast than it's been in in, in the past. So, uh, but because uh, you know we didn't uh, come out with something this week, uh, we thought. I thought it would be uh, kind of cool if we took this time to, to go back and, and look at look back on some of the things that, that we did. Uh, and when starting this podcast, I never thought that we would be like one of those sitcoms that, you know, they, they would run out of uh, episode ideas, so they would just do a clip show. Uh, who's done it? Simpsons has done it. Seinfeld has done it. Um you know, everybody across the sun has done their version of clip shows, but um, I guess we're a little bit of a different case. Uh, in a way, I, I don't know, uh, maybe uh, because we're not in syndication that uh, clip shows aren't as necessary, um, but it's not like you can't go through our archives and listen to this stuff uh whenever you want so uh but there are people out there uh that have been listening from the very 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 beginning and those fans we we know you are uh you're out there and then there are people that uh you're brand new and uh we also know who you are and um and we want to kind of give some of what uh, we br- we've brought to you the last couple weeks uh, with some of our really powerful, impactful episodes, and go back and look at look back on some of our best moments. So that's what we're going to do for the next uh, I don't know three or four hours. We'll make this. We'll we'll do about like nine 
10, 15 different moments, you know, just, just waste more of your time. I'm kidding. This will be an hour long. This will be easy to get through. This will be nothing. So the first one that we want to uh, hit, hit up uh, today is uh, we're going to do uh, Black from Berlin 2010. So this is from our fifth episode. Uh, Steve, our brother Steve, was was a guest on, on this episode. He t- told the story about heading to Germany because he missed uh, the MSG show from that year. So he kind of did like a 48-hour turnaround to go to one show in Berlin. And, uh, you know, it ends up being this really, really memorable moment. So if you hadn't heard the story before, um, this is from... Th- the 10 year anniversary of the Roskilde festival, uh, you know, the tragedy, everybody knows the tragedy and, and what all took place. And, um, this version of black, uh, was really just kind of paid tribute to all that was going on, uh, at that time. And, uh, as you'll hear in the story, um, you'll hear that Steve talks about, um, the fans beforehand saying, Hey, during black, uh, we have to, you know, want to do a moment of silence. We want to do, you know, just be there for the band because it's going to be a really emotional moment. So, uh, we get into all that. I, I know that's the first one that we're, we're covering in this whole ordeal and it's going to be the most emotional one out of, out of all of them. But I feel like from a very early moment in this show uh that was a really impactful one that we had and it's still you know within 35 episodes or so it still uh stands out today so here it is black from berlin 2010 now i'm not sure if i'm right on this but it feels like during the intro you hear some hesitation within the performance like they're almost they're really nervous in playing it they're, they they know that this is a special moment did, did, did you feel that yeah so um I, I don't know i don't know how much um all of this stuff connected and how much the band themselves knew what was going to happen um but before the show um and again this kind of goes back to what i was talking about with like the things that you only get at a pearl jam show that you wouldn't get anywhere else um, before the show started, when we were all just hanging out um, outside the the venue, waiting to be able to uh, to line up to get in, um, somebody uh, there was a group. I don't know if it was like a wish list group or um, or you know who who exactly had put it together, but somebody was going around handing out um, like flyers or I guess for lack of a better term, little little pieces of paper um, that were saying you know when they play black tonight. Uh, you know, that's the, this is the, you know, it's the 10 year anniversary. This is the song that we're really going to show our support for the band. So everybody sing, everybody take out your phones. Um, you know, uh, Randy, again, the, the, the synergy here is great because you, you mentioned the fireflies, uh, um, and, and I they, like you remember the term. <laughs> they wanted, He's got the podcast terminology down here. <laughs> <laughs> they want they you know so they were actually you know it was a concerted effort to make sure that everybody was involved. I actually looked at looked for it last night. I, I tried to get a video of it. It didn't come out really well at all. I, I've never seen a show where every single person had their phone out. There was nobody who didn't have a phone or a lighter 
Wow. out at the show. And I don't know if the band knew that was coming and that had something to do with their hesitation or, or whatever, but you definitely knew that Black Tonight was going to be different than, than previous you know, performances. I don't think it was a thing of them being nervous. The whole show is very emotionally charged. You could tell them they're playing and you could tell them mm-hmm. the crowd yeah. and they know that. I think this was more emotional playing. I don't think it was nerves. I think it was more they were just... Yeah, they're starting it off and they're not dragging it, but they're just putting everything they have into it. Yeah, yeah that's ner- ner- nervous. Nervous probably isn't the right term, but you know, like the like the butterflies in your stomach that, 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 that amped up. Yeah. Yes, I, I, they're putting it all out there is is what's going on. Yeah, right, right, right. right. And you know what? It, it 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 just brings to what made this performance of Black so absolutely special could be one of the best black performances ever ever which is 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 saying a lot because there's so many times that you can go back to the song and say well they played it then and it blew blew people away but but you look at the audience participation on this one you look at the time you look at the place you look at this you look at that uh it's got a lot of things going for it yeah let's let's play towards the end of the song eddie starts to come up with some lyrics. I don't know if they're off the top of his head or if he wrote them down earlier, but the crowd is just, like you said, they have the fireflies and they have the lighters. And uh, he, here he's he's bringing up some lyrics where the we belong together part would come in. So let's let's listen and really take in what what they're doing here. I couldn't. I couldn't tell if he was crying, honestly. Um, but I could tell you, <laughs> everybody around us, myself included, definitely was. It was, uh, yeah, it was a, a tough thing. But um, again, that that support of the of the crowd, um, you know, way back in the day. I don't know if anybody even uses the term jamily anymore for, for the yeah, program. Uh, but you def- but you definitely felt that. You know that was you know that was old school, and you, you felt that that connection um, that I don't know if it's still around uh, in quite the same way as it was back back in the beginning. But um, I mean, we really felt like we were there for the band, which was sort of what we were trying to do, I think, yeah. um, and you know for each other. Uh, and I mean, uh, this was a, a general admission show. Um, I mean, 
the way I described the, the stadium before, like you couldn't have assigned seats at this place. You'd have to, you know, revamp the entire stadium. So at the, from the, it was like taking the seats out of MSG or something even larger than that and just letting people go, you know, sit wherever they want and whatever. And, but there was never a moment where I, and I was all the way up against the rail. So I would have, you know, if there was a, a push or a crush, I definitely would have felt it. Um, and there was nothing like that in the entire night. And I think it was because we knew, you know, what we, you know, what we were being a part of. Um, yeah, it was just, it was a really emotional, really, uh, I felt feel like everybody felt really bonded to each other at this, at this point. After they finish up on black, um, Ed is getting emotional speaking. I want to play a little part in this because he thanks the the crowd for helping out, and the crowd goes back into the do 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 do, and it's, I mean, it's goosebumps. It, it's chilling that they do this. So let let's play that as much as we can. We're not going to play the whole speech, but let's let's just hear the crowd and Eddie kind of reacting. Uh, after seeing something that uh, beautiful, uh, what you just laid out before us there, um, it's, it's, uh, and thank you for that. Uh, Thank you. So you, uh, we get to experience this now, and uh, and it, uh, you know, it's it's hard to explain to people what it must feel like to be up here and be on the receiving end of that. And uh, and and then we were ten. Uh. try to do this um, so 10 years ago in Denmark uh, today uh, it was 10 years ago today it was a, a completely different experience and it was the um, it, it continues to be the hardest day uh, in our lives and, and uh, everyone who was there agrees and um, it's not like we're thinking about it anymore today because it's really something we've thought about every day and um, we just want to but we bring it up today uh, and we ask that the families 
and the friends of, their, of those who lost loved ones that day uh, allow us to, to send our love to them and our support and our thoughts and, and we're very, very extremely, extremely grateful for the families that we've gotten to know through this experience and, and somehow learn to um, get through it together and, and somehow um, um, even, even learn things about ourselves and, and about the appreciation that we now have for life that maybe we didn't quite understand completely before. So this is to the families. Um, we thank you and we send our love from the band and the crew. And uh, Stone, Stone suggested, and I think it's appropriate that maybe we just have a, uh, a moment of silence in their honor. And we thank you for that. So, I mean, yeah, <laughs> it was, that, that was a, definitely an interesting thing to be a part of. And it, it was rough because um, there was, we were, it felt like everybody was trying to find a balance of, um, you know, we wanted to be supportive of the band, but Eddie was trying to get through this speech and then everybody starts singing again. Uh, and it kind of felt like we were going to put him over the edge. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. not that that would, not that, you know, there's anything wrong with, you know, crying in public or anything along those lines, but. Uh, he's a proud, he's a proud human being. Right. You know, exactly. Right. Exactly. And you know, he, he was trying to, you know, say something to us. Um, and we were like, we were the group was so the, the group of when I say the group I mean the group of fans was so intent on being supportive. Um, yeah, it, it was. You weren't done yet, right? Yeah, exactly. There's so much more love to give. I saw that as almost like a pat on the back, you know, like you could do it mm -hmm. type thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. Of yeah. course. So obviously a very emotional moment there. Um, you get emotional moments from Pearl Jam shows. They talk about. Uh, loved ones who have who have passed, or friends of uh, that have loved ones that have passed, and um, but nothing really gets as emotional as this moment did. Uh, even going back, you know, throughout their whole entire history and everything that's happened, this is this is absolutely one of their most powerful moments uh it might not even be their most powerful black you could argue that that unplugged version was one of the best ever uh it won our little tournament that we did uh, uh a couple months back but um this one is definitely stands out in people's minds so uh the next clip that we're gonna play for you is from episode 10 this is the first time we had a Patreon guest on our episode, and it ended up being John Farrar, because of course it did. Uh, and Baba, as we like to call him, uh, suggested that we do Night 2, Atlanta, 1994. And this was really important because this was the first time that we went back to the 90s. Uh, we'd been doing a lot of backspacer, lightning bolt hour stuff, and, you know, a couple other things, and we were trying to stick within our wheelhouse. This was the first time we went to the 90s, and we were really kind of hesitant on how we were going to cover it, not being a part of that era, not uh, understanding what the band was going through, but John did a really good job helping us through that, 
and sort of helping us understand. And now we do 90 shows, you know, pretty, pretty regularly. Uh, but, you know, this 1994 Atlanta show, very much known for its radio broadcast syndication uh, throughout um, uh, radio stations in, in all of America, and I, I believe uh, overseas as well, uh, but people go back to the show, they remember versions of Deep, they remember versions of Garden and Go, that was dedicated to Kurt Cobain, uh, but most of all, they remember this killer killer version of porch uh and this is absolutely one of my favorite um live performances ever so we weren't we i didn't even cut so we start talking about it i cut right to the song so i'm gonna tee up the song so right here you're gonna get the fastest porch that you've ever gotten and and we talk a lot about the riffy porch that we get now this is where our minds were absolutely made up. This is how we like porch. This is how porch should be every single time. Not that down and when he goes, what the fuck is this? What like and he gets really soft and he gets really silent. We absolutely have talked so much about how much we hate when they do that now. But this is porch at its absolute purest form. Um one of the best, fastest, kick you in the ass versions that you'll ever listen to. Here it is, and we'll uh, talk about it a little bit from that episode afterwards. What the fuck is this world running to you today? Leave a message, at least I couldn't learn your voice one last time. Daily mind field is cool. To this very day, this gets talked about, this version, how it lasts 10 minutes, and it's one of uh, the final times that you kind of see Eddie uh, doing his little scaffold bit, but whew, another one you need a cigarette or cigar after. I think, do, do we want to talk about the scaffold bit? Yeah, uh, I had some, yeah, I had some stuff. You know what? I, I actually, I had... Something from a story, but this kind of explains it a little better. I, I stole this right from Five Horizons. So, quoting quoting them the whole way, Ed throws the mic stand at a huge replica of Boy on the Cross figurine that's depicted in the Versus book hanging in the background. Ed dons a Cincinnati Bengals helmet and gold bat wings. I don't know what the Bengals helmet is. Yeah, well, Falcons, come on. Exactly. That's It just seems weird. Uh, and he climbs the lighting rig above the stage. 
Staying there through most of the jam, he throws down a dummy wearing a similar outfit, and the crowd screams, thinking that Ed has fallen, but he reappears and starts singing again. Jeff kicks the dummy into the crowd where it rips into pieces, and Ed returns to the stage using only his hands on the rope ladder with his feet dangling. Where the hell is that video? Exactly. <laughs> the, the camcorders were so large, I don't think you would have been able to sneak one in. I don't think so either. Yeah, yeah. Um, especially with a video cassette that needed to go in there. Right. Uh, but the real question is, how does this last 10 minutes? Because it feels like when they start it, and if they play the whole thing through, it's going to only last two minutes because they're going so fast already that you're you're like, okay, this is going to be done in a second, and then we're going home. But 10 minutes, this version. And a great uh, Sonic Youth tag on yes. this as well. Yes. yes. Not only that, but Voodoo Child a little bit in there too. You notice that? I didn't notice that. No. I noticed yeah. the and- androgynous minds, though. But uh... I, th- I think it was going into where after that, um, going into the solo part. I think he uh, might play his Voodoo Child for like a second or two. I guess I'll have to listen to it again. <laughs> yeah, but with the uh, you know, John, you said that you can hear the crowd gasp a little bit around seven or eight minutes in. I can't hear it because it's so much fucking shredding. Yeah, it's it's, just it's, pure... it's subtle, I think, but you you do get a little swell. I think if you right before he comes back in on that last verse, there's a little swell of crowd noise, and I I guess that must be it. Yeah, uh, but yeah, the band is the so band loud did... and everything's going so fast. It's 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 hard to pick out. Yeah, the band does a good job of making you not think anything is going on. So again, video would just really do wonders but and, and porch you know. back then was just it was the showstopper this was i mean it's kind of it's become more of an ending first set maybe ending second set song but back then this was this was the one that you waited for the one that they they would go crazy on and if you were familiar with five horizons i mean that was the thing back then after every show you would go read the five horizons review that was the one like porch was the one that was extended before before black before alive any of that and I think it would be it would be really interesting to see them do that again at a show now. Come back with Porch and like a second encore, and give a ten or twelve. Yeah, version. that would be yeah. But even Porch back then, I think people could have considered because it wasn't a single that it was more of a deep cut of theirs. That if you go to shows and kind of you know know the band on a different level than people listening to their to on the radio would know Porch. But now you go to shows and Porch is one of it's it's an OG. It's it's one of the ones that um, you know people kind of expect that the shows now. It's definitely taken a different identity and a different life of its own, um, especially for people that just kind of cling on to Ten as their favorite album. You know, Porch is usually part of that conversation. So it's it's it, I I I guess it's more of an expectation now, and that's why you know hearing it live now is so much different than then because back then you're getting not only the fastest performance on the planet you're just you know you're not getting it like how we hear it every night so before we get into our next uh clip here i just want to say that uh yes the audio has improved very much so since uh uh we did our early stint i was able to get a an actual professional microphone which you're hearing me on now and uh 
it sounded uh it 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 we we went through some troubles back then but um it sounds a lot better now we were able to kind of get it together so uh the next clip that we want to get into here uh it's more of instead of focusing on a song it's it's more focusing on the beginning of a, the beginning stages of a moment uh and it goes back to our Moline episode uh back in december that we did episode 15 so i don't know if you guys remember this but we put up for a vote right before christmas we put up for a vote uh all of the the full album shows the 10 philadelphia the greenville uh versus show the milwaukee yield show and the toronto uh binaural show which actually on the state of recording this is the uh, third year anniversary of that happy birthday uh but uh, Moline won because Moline is really the uh, the OG of all this, even though they did a version of 10 way back in 91 or 92, and then they did uh, in Torino, they, they did Avocado. Uh, but Moline in, in 2014 was really the first time that they'd ever done anything like this and, and had it become a trend, and No Code uh, was the album that they chose to, to do full show. Uh, and it was, it's a perfect album to do because I think everybody is always begging for them to do no code songs. And, uh, really what we get into in this clip is, is sort of how being in the audience and being the fans and, and really early in the early stages on from, you know, sometimes in the hell, hell into who you are, how are you figuring out that, wait a minute this is what they're doing they're making history and and there's kind of a really funny subtle uh thing in there subtle mistake in there uh that jeff makes that tells you that this is you know not necessarily uh a normal set that you're about to hear so this is this is the pretty kind of special stuff uh that you know, we like to cover on this show, and, and I think this was a really fun moment for uh, for everybody involved, and especially since it's been so recent in everybody's minds, it, it's one of the more popular shows that uh, we've we've covered uh, in a long time. So uh, why don't we get to it? Uh, here's us talking a little bit about uh, Moline and, and No Code and how, if you were a fan in the audience, how you might have figured out that this what you're seeing is uh, kind of going to be a historic night one of the comments that i read was that somebody said it was peculiar that they would play hell hell after sometimes because something like that wouldn't happen and now i'm going to counter i'm going to counterpoint that by saying that i wouldn't have thought any i, I wouldn't have thought about it because when you think of hell hell early in the set as sort of like the you know after rocking after corduroy rocking after animal like you know within within the three to five spot this is within a normal spot so it, it's not it's not necessarily wrong to think that um nothing's going on here yet it's a little peculiar, and I'll have some stats in a second. But it's not even that peculiar. I mean, it's it's the amount of times you see Hail Hail might be 
lower than than other songs. But I mean, you know, you're starting it off a little slow. Yeah, it's the album. We know that now. But if they do Hail Hail after two more mid-tempo songs, they're bringing it up now. Now they're bringing up the energy. And even if you aren't picking up on the fact that they're doing No Code in its entirety, why complain about Hail Hail being there? It's it's uh, an awesome song to pick the setup with. You know, I, I, I wouldn't have even thought for a second that they were attempting at no code at this point i just i would have i would have said this this flows really well this oh i see why they did that because it the transition from sometimes to hail hail on the album is one of my favorite transitions sure of any of their of their transitions on any of their albums so i'd be like yeah they're doing those two together live that's fucking awesome because it sounds really good yeah, I don't think it's weird or, or that out of place either, I guess. Um, it's it's not. But if you're somebody that's really uh, deep into the stats, if you're a livefootsteps.org fan and are paying up, very close attention, it was a great show last week. Loved how it turned out. Um, if you're paying attention to Live Footsteps, the two songs haven't been played at the same show since 2004 before this point back-to-back, where it's sometimes to hell, hell, not since 1998. And it, and, and it works really well. So at this point, I'd, I'd say, oh, cool, this is Pearl Jam. They're just, they haven't done this in years. They're going to do it now. And you don't, yeah, they, it's, you're just thinking they're playing songs at this point. You don't even right, think about right. albums, because why would you ever think about them playing an album. Most bands, when they go on tour, I think Weezer did this with the Blue album. They announced uh, that beforehand, the whole tour, every night would be the Blue album. They would play the Blue album in the first set. They did Blue album and Pinkerton. They, they, they were, did do I, Pinkerton. I think okay. they were uh, interchanging them. I, I think um, we could ask some of our mutual friends because they were uh, at the show. So I'll, I'll find out. But I know they did Pinkerton as well. One show I was at was I was at um, Springsteen's River Tour, where he did the whole River album. And being an, being a Springsteen fan, but not being like a massive Springsteen fan, I was not really into the River that much because the, it was just like Hungry Heart and the River and a couple other songs that you kind of know. But man, it's like 16 or so songs and it just... It goes on. I thought a lot of Springsteen fans were even 50-50 on the river. I always thought that was yeah. a, a pretty divided number uh, for that album when it came to Springsteen. I could be I could be wrong. That's just what I what I thought. Let's get back on track here. And this is where I think they start to pique the interest. Now, let's play the whole thing. And we'll even play where Eddie kind of talks a little bit. He'll say the, the blind date thing that, that we were talking about before, I believe, in this. So, um, of course, number three on the album is Who You Are. And I give Matt Cameron a little bit of a pass because, man, the, dr the drum line, he wasn't on the album, obviously, but the drum lines are so similar live from Who You Are to In My Tree. So um, even Pearl Jam is just not really sure what's going on almost because... You'll hear Jeff, and I guess they forget what what track is uh, is what on the album. But um, it's a little it's a little tease for in my tree 
but it turns into who you are. And I wonder if that gives it away a little bit. If people are like, wait a minute, they started off within my tree, but then, you know, reacted and, and did who you are instead. So is in my tree coming next? And then I think that probably started the trigger of, okay, we know what's coming. So listen, listen to how this all went down and check out who you are. Cause we haven't talked about it yet. We'll talk about it after you listen to a little bit of the song. Uh, but here is who, who you are. Actually, we have heard the song cause we play it every damn week. We just don't play it live. We hear it in every single episode, Randy, <laughs> <laughs> but now you're, you're going to hear it for real, for real. And I'm not going to talk over it. So here is who you are. just like wow we're, we're really doing this we're really doing this in full and you know in my tree is is way more common to hear not way more it's it's not it's not very common to hear in my tree but it's, it's way more common to hear in my tree than who you are so i can see them doing it mac hammer gets 100 percent the pass for this one mm. Je- jeff played in my tree 
Jeff should know <laughs> what comes next. There's no reason. That's true. It doesn't matter if the drum parts are almost identical, especially when you're hearing it live. There is no reason why Jeff should have started playing In My Tree anyway. There's no reason for it. So um, he messed up. Matt was fine. Jeff got a little confused. So that was but on I, Jeff. I think it. I think it's part of. I think it's part of the charm here. I think it's part of. Oh no! It's one of my favorite parts of the entire thing because <laughs> not not only is it really funny to hear because they just messed up the order a little bit because, like we said, the drum part, especially live when you're listening to him live, who you are and in my tree are are almost identical. Yeah, um, and and we know Matt Cameron tends to sometimes speed up some songs, so it gives who you are here a little bit of that in my tree sound. There's no reason why Jeff should have played it anyway. It's why would he just say, oh, let me just go with what I think is being played. No, then you tell Matt, no, it's it's not in my tree. And Matt will say, I'm not playing in my tree. And then you say, oh, okay, they sound exactly alike. You know, but again, Jeff, I, I think, I think it's just a moment. I think it's just a moment of a quick wait for I forget what we're actually doing here. We're actually doing full no code. Okay. I think Jeff just went into it. I think he got a little excited, but it's, yeah. it's funny, and it's fun to hear. So, as you guys uh, know, that have been listening for the last uh, little while, um, this year we have dedicated our time to uh, putting together one month of uh, MSG shows, where we do uh, an MSG show uh, once a month. And we've we've gone through four of them already, and uh, it's fun for us because we're New Yorkers, and you know we have sort of you know we've together we've been to almost every single one of them, uh, but this one that we covered back in February, this is one of the really iconic moments uh, in the band's history, and not just that, but iconic moments in MSG, the band's history at MSG uh that that we focused on and it's uh the moment where they played breath in 1998 so uh to kind of go back because i cut it at a point where you really don't get the full story um that whole three-day stint on their tour east rutherford and then the first msg night and the second msg night there was a fan uh you know uh little um how should i say it there was a fan uh, pledge online that started online that kind of uh developed into going to shows for them to uh to do breath because it was a song they haven't pulled out since 1994 and it was very much a fan favorite from the singles album and um they just hadn't played it in forever so uh, the band caught wind of it, and they even made jokes of it uh, during that first MSG show. And, you know, there wasn't going to be a way that they weren't going to do it. Uh, that would have been a total disappointment. But you have to kind of kind of look at it and say, um, well, it's a song they haven't played in four years. They've had a couple albums since they've played it. There's a lot of stuff going on. A new drummer that doesn't know it. Uh, they didn't even teach it to the last drummer before that. Uh, so there's a lot of things to be figured out with it. Uh, and it's really, it's just interesting how the whole thing developed. Not just with the fans, but with the band, uh, you know, just finally caving in to the demands for it. Uh, even 
to such a fun moment from that first MSG show where they're playing elderly woman. And uh, when they say, I seem to recognize your breath and the whole crowd just screams breath. And it's really, it's funny. It's audible. Uh, it's, it's a really good moment. Um, but the band finally came in and Eddie says, you get, uh, we keep giving, we keep giving and we keep giving and you guys want more and more and more. And you know what? You sure as hell deserve it. Um, this is one of the, again, I icon- most iconic MSG moments of all of their MSG moments. So, uh, let's get into us talking a little bit about breath. This is the night. This is what makes the night for a lot of people. Everybody during the encore is holding up their breath sign. Um, you know, the people that are giving them out are, are asking around. They're saying, does anybody not have a sign? And uh, I believe the whole front is just littered with breath signs. And for everybody that's shared that uh, their picture. Is that what they were throwing on stage? Were they throwing mm. up the crumpled signs? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think so. Um, and there are a lot of people that shared their breath sign with us. Uh, thank you right. for sharing that. that just, I mean, you know, just seeing that is, is very cool. Uh, but, um, you know what? I'm going to let Ed speak for himself here. Let's play this whole speech into the song. Uh, and then we'll, we'll react to it because it, it's just, it's a moment in time that has to s- you know, stand alone on itself. And, you know, um, I can't put into words any any better than Eddie Vedder. So listen to him, and he makes it pretty clear uh, what they are about to do and how they are about to just gain the admiration and respect of the fans. You fucking cocksuckers. You fucking bitch! You fucking... You know, we come up here as a collective band and we give and we give and you just fucking want more and you know what? We deserve it. <laughs> this is some kind of... This is like organized religion here. Uh, I've never seen it like that. Do you see what's happening? You see what was happening? It's the third night in a row, right? Third night in a row. This shit is going on. Well, fuck you. We're gonna play.
So they get their long-awaited wish. Hadn't been played since 1994. 149 shows in between. And, um, you know, once again, this campaign was really developed by some fans on the Internet that said, uh, you know, we haven't heard breath in, in a long freaking time. So let's hear it. Let's let's hear what they did. And uh, I love, as you heard right there after the first line, uh, Ed asks, how's that? And the crowd just responds to their, <laughs> I mean, he's toying with them and, and they're loving it. Um so, from inquiring with folks, they seem to believe it was the first time that the band had sort of caved into fans' demands and understanding that the fans are as much a part of the show that that they are. Um, and that something as powerful as a campaign like this can change the course of how the band sees you know what they're doing and there's they could have at that point if they if the fans never did anything we we might be sitting here in 2019 and they may have never played breath again sure entirely possible or maybe not as often as they do now i you know you talk to a lot of people and there are a lot of people that'll say breath is uh is one of their favorite songs it is not uncommon to hear that so if it wasn't going to happen here, it was going to happen at some point. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I agree. And we've talked about this before, how songs like even flow and alive and black and breath go hand in hand with Pearl jam fandom. For some people, it is their favorite song. It's what, it's what made the band for them. It's, it's what they remember the most. It's what they listen to. It's what they want. And listening to this uh, I had to think about the time and uh, who was seeing the show and, you know, how, how much harder it was back then to campaign for a song that has been played. Uh, and I, I really appreciate it. And I think it's fantastic. And I, I like that Pearl Jam got wind of it and they did it and that people brought their signs. And, and I think people that were going to the show back then, those are the people that hold breath really close to their heart. And, and these are the people that, obviously wanted to campaign for this song because as you said it, it's a lot of people's favorite songs and i completely agree i think i think breath is one of those songs that probably brought pearl jam fandom uh to a new level because of the time period so that's how i had to think of it personally though i don't have that connection with the song i i don't really like the song to be honest with you it's nowhere near one of my favorite pearl jam songs i I I I think it's a it's a good song but I personally don't understand or agree with the fandom behind it. Um it's special. Uh look, I I you know, I think that the relationship that people have with the song is special. You know, this is Oh yeah, it, yeah. No, no, no. I'm, I'm not I'm not saying it's not. I I understand right. that completely and and it's special for the band to do it. That's special for I mean, if you're a fan, I, forget it i mean this is the ultimate stat you got to think you know unless unless they did it with you know something like dirty frank or <coughs> big wave or something but um i think back then it's it's less about stats and it's more about you know just just hearing it um there, sure, there are so many a- people absolutely. that that got in touch with us that said that they heard that they played breath at the show so they went and they got 
tickets to the Hartford show. Yeah. And they ended up doing doing it at the Hartford show the night after. So, you know, that that's Yeah, yeah. No, no, and, and I, I know that I am in the in the minority because I know that it is a, a huge fan favorite. Like I said, I think this this is a song that especially at probably everybody at these shows in 1998 they were obviously gunning for this song and um yeah so i had to think about the time period when i when i thought of that because for me it's just it's not it's not that special to me but uh, i'm i'm from a different age you know of of the fandom there are people out there that that consider this a real insider song you yeah. know that that this is this belongs to the pearl jam fans more than you know, alive does more than even flow does more than black does. Um, and maybe that was part of the reason why they said, let's bring it back. Uh, you know, and, and really you can't think of a better time or place to do it. Um, if you did it night one on a Thursday, who cares? Especially, Um, especially in that set, it wasn't. Yeah, exactly. But that, that, they were smart to do that because that means the anticipation for the next night was there and everybody that was that was going to both shows would be able to say like well night one you know really didn't meet the expectations but night two they played breath and and blew everybody out of the water um so look i think it started the idea that anything can happen at a pearl jam show i really think that this was the kickoff of that Continuing on uh, from the MSG standpoint here, uh, a month after we did this show, we did uh, the Live at the Garden show. And, uh, you know, again, iconic MSG shows, there are lots of them. And uh, out of the 10, there are probably three or four where you can really say those are absolute, you know, hands down, some of the best Pearl Jam shows of all time. And the Live at the Garden show is, is, is one of them. I, I think that uh, um, for most of the people that, that own the DVD, it was uh, some of the first exposure to the band live. I think it was my first exposure to watching the band live, uh, maybe not listening to the band, because uh, I'd had the Live on Two Legs album. It is weird. Yes, it's weird to say Live on Two Legs now since I've... I've said live on four four legs the last thirty four weeks uh, that we've been recording this show. Uh, so yes, live on two legs is a little bit weird to say, but uh, that was really my first ex- exposure to the band live. But the Garden DVD was my first exposure to seeing the sights and and getting to know the set list and understanding what the band does uh, and. That was my basis off of what kind of live band I was going to see them as. And uh, when I finally saw them, you know, it it was completely different. Again, my first show was an MSG show too, but completely different scenarios and completely different set lists. And you just never know what you're going to get with them, obviously. But, uh, you know, just great that uh, you can sit there and you can watch and you can just see all these moments being captured on stage and one of the best is uh is this one that we talked about uh from the live at the garden show and it's when the stage shook during do the evolution uh we have a little bit of conflicting uh opinions about this um but there 
is absolutely no opinion about the stage shaking. That's a fact. Uh, it happened. The people there said that it felt like um, the the world was about to go down, and and we were we were watching it watching it go to fire and and celebrating the flames. Um, just a really fun moment. And although you can't like visually see the sh- the stage shake. Uh, you you see Eddie during the whole time he's putting his ear down to the stage, being like, "Are we okay?" You know, almost fearing for his life. Uh, as we talked earlier, the Ross Kilda stuff. Uh, this band sort of takes that stuff a little bit uh, seriously, uh, if you don't blame them. Um, so let's uh, let's get into the moment where the stage shook at the Garden would do the evolution. I feel like this night turned them from good rock and roll band to legendary rock and roll band. Yeah. Yeah. Like we said, the, the years in between and, and new albums and, and all this stuff right. from 1998 to now, yeah, it's a different band. And this is, but it kind of ties into what's coming up. Oh yeah. Yeah, sure. What's coming up is, is the stuff of legends. I think everybody kind of knows, what's what's coming here and everybody knows this story and everybody knows the legend behind it um it's do the evolution it ends the first encore and boy does it fucking shake the stage and uh just we're gonna play the part in the middle of the song where you can hear ed say uh during the i'm a thief i'm a liar this is uh he doesn't say this is my church i sing in the choir he says you rock um the stage is bouncing sing like a choir we're gonna play that whole part and just how electric that whole entire section is so take a listen and um if you haven't heard this before you're in for a treat stage is shaking at this point um and you, you you're watching you're watching the clip and ed gets down this is at, at a pivotal point in the song where ed should be like rocking out or or it should he should feel like ener- energy and he's down on the floor and his hand is on the stage and he's feeling the stage rocking and shaking and I think you can kind of hear him after the part where he says, I do what I want, but irresponsibly, he kind of goes off mic. And I, I, I'm not sure if he's like trying to tell one of the other band members, like it, 
were shaking or something like that, but um, he's kind of saying something halfway off the mic, and he's he's looking around as, as almost as if he's worried about his safety. Um, I think that's the first thing, because you, you, see, you see it in his eyes. He looks worried. Am I right about that? Well, I mean, just imagine it's uh, right. If you've if you've never had that happen before, and it starts to happen, it's it's, you think, it's is that Ross, the crowd or is that an earthquake? What's going on? It's it's Ross Ross killed PTSD. That's the first thing that <laughs> Maybe. is going through my mind for him, which is horrible. Um, but oh oh my goodness. Uh, you talk to people that were there that night, and they say that, yes, that the place was on fire. It was absolutely rocking. I don't think that watching it on the DVD, they gave enough credit to the crowd. They didn't show the crowd going up and down, and that was a, that was disappointing. I really don't think you could capture that anyway. I mean, it's... It, it would be tough, too, feel. but yeah. Yeah, I know. So what, what what's your what's your what's your thing about this song? We'll get into we'll get into all Iron Maiden thing in a second. Yeah. Um so again with the crowd, I mean the stage is shaking. Crowd is a 10. There's no denying that, right? Mhm. And they're pumped. They're pumped for the song. They're ready to go and that's great. But this is a for me was a very typical do the evolution. I don't think I don't think there was anything really remarkable about this performance i think what was remarkable, remarkable was the crowd yeah i yeah i agree with you i think do the evolution is one of those songs it's it's either you hit her you hit it completely or you miss it well here's what happened it's you know what's gonna happen and you go into it and people say that was the best do the evolution the crowd shook it right but it has nothing to do with the stage right it's not like mike pulled it out like this crazy solo even though stone does a yeah, solo on the song yeah. it's not so, no no one did anything out of the norm right so so go, so going going into it that's what you expect but then you say well i'm not there i can't feel it shaking so i'm just gonna listen to the song and this was do the evolution that's really all i i had no notes for the actual song to be honest because it was the crowd that blew me away not the song yeah I give I give credit to the people that tell the story of being there, and then Ed that tells the story right after uh, coming out of the encore. Yeah, um, if, if you're there and the and the and the place is shaking and you feel it shaking and you think you might die, sure, it's probably going to be the best moment of your life. But you can never recapture that. You can, and you can't really explain it either. I mean, you can't. I I I can't. I don't have that feeling. I could only listen to the song. The only way that I could understand, like, if if they did, like, this wide shot of all the heads bobbing right. up and down, I would have gotten that feel. But they, they did one shot of the crowd where it was, like, maybe five or six rows deep. And you see a couple people there bobbing up and down, but it didn't give you the feel that mm-hmm. these this this small group of people is making this, the stage shake. Yeah. That that's the only thing that I had from it is I, I'm just gonna have to take everybody for their word for their word. Yeah, and that and that was just what I was trying to say with Better Man too. Like it's great crap participation. If you're there, it was probably the best point of the of the night, but just listening back to the bootleg, the the song for me was not good. So uh it's that's the as we've said before, that is the downside of 
of uh yep. of going through these is because sometimes it's some things are right in your face and you're like that was the best because i could hear it i could see it and i know it was the best but then there are things that you really literally have to be there for yeah yeah this it's something that may never happen again so why don't we um with Ed coming out with a fresh bottle of wine that he shares with everybody, uh, not Mike, obviously, uh, but this is really, this is a key moment of the show where um, this is where your status changes from great rock and roll band to legendary rock and roll band. It's this moment where Ed mentions it. So let's, uh, let's let Ed tell you how it all went down. I'll just tell you there was something happened just now and... Uh... You know, it, it's easy for us to get freaked out because we want everything to be safe, but uh, the stage was bumping up and down like... And I, and I just want to tell you this, because it's a, it's a credit to you more than us, but I was just told that it's only bounced that like that for a few other people, and, and they were... Grateful Dad. Iron Maiden. And Bruce Springsteen, and we're really proud to be part of that. Proud to be part of that little group there, but I gotta tell you, scared the fuck out of us. <laughs> Grateful Dead, Iron Maiden, Bruce Springsteen, Pearl Jam. That's excellent company. All right, everyone. So uh, we played you five clips from our history and i think there are five really good ones they kind of uh put emphasis on really important moments in the band's history and we uh we do a lot of focus on that from the last handful of shows that we we've done uh i've liked to mix in some that have uh personal uh influence and some of them that have uh you know historical influence and that are iconic as well i think these are the more go along the lines of the more iconic iconic moments that everybody knows but um this is just really a taste and maybe a flashback for those uh that have been listening for the whole series but a taste for those who are very new to the show to just give them you know maybe an idea of hey here's some episodes to go back on but it's they're not even it's not even all that we have uh there are some awesome awesome episodes back in our archive uh grand rapids in 2006 that is one of my favorite episodes that we've done definitely go back to that one uh camden 2003 is a really good one um i am gonna have to go to my list to to go and see which ones again uh ottawa uh from 2005 is really good uh, Vic Theater from 2007. Um, 
the Halloween show, uh, the Spectrum show, the cl- closing the Spectrum. Uh, that was episode number eight. Um, and you know what's what else is really good? One of the most listened to shows, actually. I don't know if it's because uh, people really liked it or if it was only because it was a, an hour and a half long. But um, it's our wish list uh, set creation show. Uh, where we went and tried to create our our own set list from scratch. Uh, that was a real fun episode. So if you're looking for stuff to listen to that uh, you haven't heard from us before, those are some of the older ones, or at this point, not really old. Like it's old. We've only been doing this for seven, eight months or so. So uh, they're not terribly old but for for the new person that is uh just tuning into this and just finding out about us uh i those are ones i i highly highly recommend along with the ones uh that you heard clips from today so uh thank you for uh tuning in and uh as always thank you for your uh uh participation as a listener we we thank you so much for uh making the show what it is and making us uh proud proud to do it every week uh it has been a fun little ride um for all of you uh that would like to donate to our patreon account it's patreon.com slash live on four legs uh just go there and you know pitch in whatever you can Uh, there's no limit to reach um and we definitely uh we urge people to uh to to do it because we'd like to have people come on our show and talk about their favorite uh show that they've ever been to and that's what makes it fun for us to hear everybody's memories from the past so uh that's a cool little part of the show you get to hear other people and other fans talk about their favorite moments um and since you tuned in i i wanted to do something special for you guys and kind of give you uh, little hints of what we're going to be doing for the next, I don't know, two to three months if we can, uh, if we can handle that. If we, if we have another uh, down week like this, I don't know if we're going to handle all of that's on my schedule. But uh, uh, next week, uh, tune in. We're going to do Hartford from 2010. That was a show that I went to. Great, underrated show. Hartford, underrated crowd. You have transplants coming in from New York. You have transplants coming in from Boston very underrated there uh and we'll talk a lot about that um we're gonna have some more guests on to uh tampa 2016 we're gonna end up doing we're gonna do the more msg shows including the the my first show that i went to night two in 2008 uh zurich sweet uh switzerland i almost said sweden switzerland zurich switzerland from 1992 we're gonna do that uh we're gonna end up doing soldier field at some point um and then over the summer uh we're gonna do something really cool uh this will be the announcement for that i've told some people this before but we have some plans to do festival shows over the summer since they are shorter shows and uh you know they'll sort of get us into talking about festivals and thinking about you know maybe they're the different mindset that goes into putting together a festival show um you know we're going to do some real obvious ones pink pop uh from 92 uh we're going to probably do lollapalooza brazil from last year 
uh, probably do Telluride uh, from 2016. That was really popular. And then we'll we'll get to a couple other ones too. We have a we have a guest that I know that I wanted to get on to do uh, uh, Reading UK uh, from 2006, uh, and that guest is a. Uh, uh, a popular podcaster as well so uh, hopefully we can get to that one but that's just a little taste of what we got going on but as i always say it's you guys that always dictate the show if there's something that you guys want to hear you tell us we don't have to tell you what we're going to show you you say we want to hear this we'll do it we got a lot of stuff that we want to plan and and you know a lot of our requests that come in is is like do pj20 do mansfield do uh uh the full other full album shows and and we we will absolutely get all get to all that stuff at some point that's it's on our to-do list there's you know we got a lot of time so uh you know let's uh let's wait and see and maybe for a full album show we'll do another uh we'll do, do another poll at some point but uh uh, until then, um, that's really what's on our table next week, Hartford 2010. And, uh, until then, uh, that's the end. We're here. Well, I'm here. Matt's, uh, somewhere playing bass. Uh, but we'll see him next week. And, uh, I miss you already. I miss you always. Uh, thank you for tuning into the podcast. So it has come to this, but it's the end of our clip show. We'll see you next time.